Love that guy, Rocky, like a brother from another mother. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. It's good to see you. Uh, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We are in our second week, as Tony said a few minutes ago, of our I'm Alive, I'm Alive series. And what we're looking into is not only the resurrection of Jesus, but the resurrection of his good friend Lazarus. And to that, we say he is risen. And we say he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You know, we've been talking about the idea that Lazarus coming out of the grave had some smells around him that are particular to death. And when he came out of the grave, he had been sitting in that grave or had been stewing in that grave for four solid days without being embalmed. You have any idea how bad that would smell? And when he came out of that grave, that smell and the grave clothes that were making the smell followed him out of the grave. We're going to talk a little bit today about how when you and I are called out of the grave of sin and death into a new life, into the marvelous light of Jesus, that some stuff follows us along out of the grave. When we come out of the grave into this new life, our lives aren't instantly changed to be perfect, are they? And so what we're going to be talking about today is what those grave clothes look like for you and me living in today's time. What I'd invite you to do now is just bow your heads and your hearts, close your eyes, and let's just open up to what God would have to say us today. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus not only to die for me on the cross, but also to rise again. Because the good news is not only that he died, but that he rose. And for me, that's good news. Because it means looking, living, and loving like Jesus means I follow him into a resurrected life. A brand new life. A life that will have some carries over from the old days. It'll have some after effects. But those after effects are covered by your grace. You died for them and rose for them. So as we discuss those today, God, just fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit so that we may hear your voice anew. In your name we pray and together we say, Amen. Well, this is a painting from the 14th century where our guy Lazarus there is looking a bit pale. Why? He's been dead for four solid days and he hasn't been embalmed. So he reeks of death. He still looks dead. And the grave clothes that surround his body were originally put there, infused with spices to tamper that smell down a bit. But in most cases, the grave clothes would have stayed where? In the grave. In this case, because Lazarus, Lazarus was risen from the dead and came out of the grave, his grave clothes came out with him. And Jesus would have commanded that the people take the grave clothes off. Well, today we're going to talk about some psychological grave clothes. Some things that follow you and me into our new life in Christ. And we're going to talk about how Jesus brings healing in those areas of our life. If you study this picture for just a moment, this image is a painting from the 14th century painted by a gentleman named Giotto di Bendone. And you would know me, knowing that I'm a southern man, pronouncing Italian stuff is a real challenge. So that's a miracle in and of itself. So if you looked up the paintings of Giotto, you would see scenes from Jesus' life. 
And in this one in particular, you're going to see Lazarus coming out, locking eyes with Jesus, and Jesus doing the very same. Jesus locking eyes with Lazarus. Just after he has called Lazarus out by name. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out in all his glory, reeking to high heaven of what CSI would call decomp. He stinks. And if you've ever smelled that smell before, you remember it, don't you? It is awful. You know, one of the best parts about the good news of Jesus Christ is that when we come to Easter, we hear the good news of Jesus suffering for us and then going to the cross for us and then rising again from the grave for us. And we take that as good news because our pastors and our teachers and the word of God tell us that this good news applies to you and me, that our sins were put on Jesus. And when Jesus was put on the cross, our sins died with Jesus on the cross. And then Jesus rose again from the grave. He was resurrected. And this comes as good news to you and me because it means that our sins have been wiped away in the eyes of God. They're gone forever. But there's a part of us that's tempted to check off a spiritual box when we learn this good news year after year at Easter time. We check off this spiritual box that says, you know what? I got it. That good news is awesome news and I love it. Jesus died for me and rose again from the grave for me. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. But then what happens? We go back to our normal lives and we struggle with grave clothes. Grave clothes are carryovers from our old pre-Christ life. We're going to talk about what those look like for us today. Here's kind of a way to look at this if you package it this way. If you were to come over to our house in the springtime, you might see some tulips that look like this, mainly because my wife, Heather, does really well with stuff in the yard. So if she were to plant tulips, they would typically rise up and they would look pretty like this. And just a couple of weeks ago, that actually happened, and they did. But if I were charged with taking care of tulips, here's what they would look like. Tulips are either alive and growing, or they're what? Dead or dormant. What does dormant mean? Dormant means they're acting dead, but it means they're really alive, right? And you know what? The same thing happens to you and me. We come to the Easter service, and the good news is preached, and someone says to us, you are alive. You are risen indeed. Alleluia. But then we go back out into the world, and at times we are tempted to believe that we are what? Still dead, spiritually dead, and in need of another resurrection. You know, the Apostle Paul struggled with this dynamic as well, and here's exactly what he said in the Scripture. He said, it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. The Apostle Paul says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Here's the question. Is there no one who can do anything for me? And isn't that the real question? The Apostle Paul says. 
See, the staff has been reading this book by Stephen W. Smith called The Lazarus, Lazarus Life. The Lazarus Life. And in the book, Smith postulates that when we come into a new life in Jesus, we bring some stuff with us, some baggage with us from our a previous life. And for Smith in particular, those uh, issues that we bring with us from our previous life are psychological in nature. Now, there are all kinds of other carryovers that follow us into our new life in Christ. But particularly the things that haunt us in our new life, almost like a dark cloud over us, are psychological in nature. They are issues that we tend to hang on to because underlying these issues is at the root core sin. In fact, Smith even says in the book, sin is in the fabric of our grave clothes. So if you can imagine yourself coming out of the grave after being called out by Jesus, those grave clothes that are still clung to you, that were meant to tamper down that smell, have actually begun to reek of death. And they follow us into the new life until the Holy Spirit begins to pull them off of us, piece by piece, layer by layer, until we begin to look, live, and love more like Jesus. The good news is that Jesus died for those sins and died for all sin, the sin underneath our grave clothes. The fact of the matter is when Lazarus came out of the tomb, he really did stink. He smelled bad. When he came out, the first thing Jesus commanded people around him to do was to take off the grave clothes. Now, when they did that, they would have stripped Lazarus naked. Hopefully, the first thing Lazarus should have done was what? Take a bath. Kind of like baptism, in a way. As it were. Lazarus would have been naked, and he would have been completely vulnerable. But as he was called out from the grave by Jesus... Something happened. Those people were told to take off the grave clothes. And a question might be, what would they have done with the grave clothes after they took them off Lazarus? Would they have hung the grave clothes up nicely in Lazarus' closet to save for a party someday? No, they would probably have burned them because they stunk so bad, right? The idea is that sin and all that death and that smell that comes with it has been taken away from us as far as the east is from the west. Trusting in Christ means that our sin in the eyes of God has been removed from us that far. Now, how far is the east from the west? Infinitely far away, isn't it? This is kind of how folks who were stripping Lazarus would have wanted to treat those old, dead-smelling grave clothes. But here are five psychological grave clothes that we tend to carry with us that the Holy Spirit will begin to strip away from us as we grow and become what God has made us to be, just like the tulips we saw in the picture before. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. On your sermon notes card, there's a little bit of space there to write some notes down for five psychological grave clothes. Here's the first one, self-rejection. You know, back in the days of Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve sinned, when they sinned, they lost the image of God. They had been given the image of God, and they lost it. And so from that time forward, they had a broken 
self-image. This is why our public schools consider it a priority to instill high self-esteem in our kids. Because people don't naturally grow up with a healthy self-esteem, do they? That comes from back in the day when we lost the image of God. But self-rejection is where I tell myself in some way, form, or fashion, I'm not only not loved by God, but I'm not worth dying for. So when the Easter message comes along, that doesn't really apply to me. It applies to that other guy over there who is a better Christian than me, but not me. God, I'm not good enough for you to die for me. So why would you dare? That's self-rejection. And then akin to that is fear, where we live a life of carryovers of fear from our old life before Christ. This is where we're afraid in our relationships. We're afraid either to damage them or to go into them. We're afraid to make parenting mistakes. We're afraid to mismanage our money. We're afraid to deal with differences between myself and another person who is different from me. We are different. We are, are, are challenged by fear in dealing with medical issues. We are challenged by fear in dealing with change. We're challenged by fear in sharing and giving. Because if I give of myself, then I might lack something or I might be compromised. The third grave cloth is guilt. Guilt says that I should have done something different. And here's where that comes from. There are two kinds of guilt in this world, just like there are two kinds of people in this world. There are people who love Neil Diamond and people who hate Neil Diamond. There are people who put Tabasco on their eggs and there are people who do not put Tabasco on their eggs. There are people who roll up the toothpaste tube and there are people who squeeze the toothpaste tube. Just like that, there are two kinds of guilt. There is a true guilt, which we could call godly sorrow. This is where something in my life falls apart or I mess up as a Christian and I come back to God and because of Jesus, that sin is wiped away again, isn't it? From as far as the east is from the west. That draws me back into intimacy and closeness and fellowship with God. That kind is okay. But then there's a false kind of guilt. This is where something or someone in the past has pointed a finger at me and said, you did this and you should have done this instead or should not have done that in the first place. And I begin to internalize that and I begin to guilt myself. I begin to become condemned. And I begin to condemn myself and internalize my guilt. And it begins to follow me around in daily life. This leads to shame and blame. This is where finger pointing in life points a finger back at me so that I begin to doubt my worth and I begin to see myself as damaged goods. That there might be a part of my life that cannot be redeemed by Christ or healed by Him or called out of the grave by Him. I begin to become that image. I'm ashamed, which means I am wrong. More so than I've done wrong. I am wrong. Similar to this is the, the, the fifth grave cloth of disappointment. Now think just for a second. Back over the last few years of your life. Have you ever had a different image of how you thought your life would turn out than the way it has? Have you ever assigned disappointment 
to that image? Have you ever felt like something different should have happened? If you feel that way, and I would wager to say when you feel that way, that dark cloud you feel, like you can't ever expect anything good to happen to you, that's a carryover from your previous life before Jesus. The reason we talk about these five grave clothes is because Jesus has conquered the sin in them. He has conquered it with his death. And he calls all of these grave clothes to be stripped away from you so that you are stripped bare of them and live a new life in him. Let's talk about that for a second. If I were to die today and Heather were to prepare my grave clothes, she would probably go in my closet and pick out a suit that looks like this. Now, she might pick out a different tie. At least I would hope so. And then when she buried me in this suit, maybe I had written something down that said, I don't want you guys to embalm my body. I just want you to let it hang out there in all its glory, okay? They put me in the ground, and then four days later, they dig me up again, and I pop up out of the casket and say, hey, I'm alive. The first thing my family would want to do after they recovered, pick themselves back up off the floor, would be to do what? Get rid of that stink. Get rid of those grave clothes. And for goodness sakes, go take a shower because you reek to high heaven. Those old sins and those old carryovers they're not harmless. They stink up our lives with a smell that reeks to high heaven. But the good news is that Jesus died for that too and rose again for that too. Look at what Paul says. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma, the dilemma between being alive and growing or being what? Dead. The dilemma between the two, being alive and growing or dead, is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us, hyphenated together, Christ's presence, the fact that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that fact leaves us no longer having to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. In fact, what happens is a new power is in operation in my life, in your life. The spirit of life in Christ like a strong wind has magnificently cleared the air and blown all that stink away, freeing us from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death and the effects thereafter. It's not just a one-time thing that happens. It's a progression. When Jesus called out, Lazarus, come out, it would have taken Lazarus a minute to get up and come out, wouldn't it? And then when he did, it would have taken them some time to strip him down, get him ready for his bath. The same happens with you and me. When Jesus calls us out and says, Greg, come out. Paula, come out. Clay, come out. Rise again. You are risen you are risen indeed. From that moment forward, the process of stripping the grave clothes begins. 
And guess how long it lasts? For the rest of our lives. We are not perfect. We are perfect in the eyes of God. But we are not perfect. And so, nor do we need to perform perfectly. Because Jesus died for that too. And rose again for that too. So here's what we like to ask you to do. If you were here last week and you, receive a, a, you received a grave cloth, a strip of, uh, of cloth, a linen, we'd like to ask you to find that at home, grab a Sharpie, and pick one or more of the issues that we talked about today. And write that issue on the grave cloth and bring it back with you next week. Pastor Tony is going to lead us through an exercise where we're going to explore how God would have us handle those old grave clothes. And don't worry, if you're not prepared, we do have extra grave cloths on hand, just like that one coming out of the tomb on the stage. We'd love for you to take one home and assign at least one of these grave clothes. Write it on that cloth and bring it back with you next week. The idea becomes this. We are all children of God by believing in Christ Jesus, not by what we do or don't do, but by simply trusting in Him. All of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ as if He were what? Your clothes. So God doesn't leave us naked and bare. When He strips those old grave cloths off, he stands ready to wrap us back up in the arms of a risen Jesus. For he is risen. He is risen indeed. Therefore, we can with Jesus point out self-rejection and say, self-rejection, I reject you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, fear. I am no longer afraid because Jesus is with me. In the name of Jesus, Guilt, you are condemned. I am no longer condemned because Jesus went to the cross for me. In the name of Jesus, shame, be gone. I am not broken. I am healed and made whole because of Jesus rising from the dead. Disappointment, be gone. I am full of joy because joy comes with the morning. The morning of my resurrection from the dead in heart, and then some years later, in body. Look at what the scripture says. And you know what? Let's do this. Let's read this together. When you encounter the word Jacob or Isaiah, or Israel, rather, Jacob and Israel, why don't you insert your name as we read it out loud? See if this resonates with your soul. Ready? But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Mike, he who formed you, Mike, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. The idea quite clearly is this. We call out those grave clothes by name. And we dismiss them by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week and how that works. But what we want you to hear from the Word of God today is this. You are risen. You are risen indeed. Alleluia. And when you're tempted to believe that some part of you is not risen, 
remember the fact that you are and that God has claimed every part of your life, even those dark parts that sometimes we don't even realize or let known to the world. Jesus died for that too. And the even better news is he rose again from the grave for that too. He wants every part of you, 100,000%. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for dying for me. But thank you so much for also rising for me and for calling me out of the grave. When you called me out of the grave, you knew that there were grave clothes that needed to be stripped away. And so, Heavenly Father, I confess before you right now that sometimes I'm tempted to hang on to those stinky old grave clothes. I'm tempted to make that my daily wardrobe. And I ask God by the power of the Holy Spirit that you strip all those grave clothes away and that you clothe me and you enwrap me in the arms of your son, Jesus, so that I may remember whose I am. I am his. He has called me by name and drawn me out of darkness and death. He makes me to be alive as he is. So I lay that before you, God, and, and I wait for your redemption and for your healing and for your power. In your name we pray and together we say, amen. Thank you for spending some time in God's word with us during this message. It was recorded live in worship at Trinity Church in Lyle, Illinois, where God is leading us on our mission to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Would you like to know more about a relationship with Christ or more about Trinity, who we are, what we believe, and where and when you might join us in worship or a growth group. Please visit our website at tlc4u.org. That's the letters T-L-C, the number four, and the letter U.org. May God bless you and yours abundantly through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening.